started in a little bit. Today we have a podcast lecture today. Train a 
as Forward Fitness, uh, where we help people with different abilities uh, get acclimated to a gym setting and help them learn how to work out in a big box gym by themselves. Um, but uh, I got started in the industry, I was actually obese for a large majority of my life. And uh, it wasn't until high school where I was like, well, I want to go to college. My goal was to be a stud because I was shy, you know, timid, didn't go to prom, anything like that. So um, I would eat lunch in my car um, and then run the track instead of going off campus like everyone else. And then uh, I would have weightlifting afterwards. And after I changed physically, also um, mentally, which is a big component of what I do at my facilities is we focus on, well, what do you really want to attain? Um, why? How do you want to feel? And if I can help people paint that crystal clear vision of what they want to attain, more likely you are to getting there. Um, so that's part of our process at my facilities. And um, that's where we're at right now. Me and Emily work together in a big box gym. Jordan too, we all started in one. And we saw things that we liked and things that we changed and then we had enough courage to branch off and do what we thought was right. Yeah. How did you get into uh, gyrotonics? Danielle. How did you get, you get into uh, <laughs> and where did you get certified and tell them what that is? Yeah, yeah. So, um, gyrotonic is a specialized movement system in the same way that Pilates is in a way and that they have their own equipment and you have to learn about that equipment and the exercises that pertain to each piece of equipment if within that um, specialized modality. When I was going through the teacher training process at Appalachian State, they had a gyrotonic machine in the corner of the studio. And we got to see people work out on it and I was intrigued by it, but that's not what we were there for. We were there for Pilates. So I had an awareness of it. I knew that it existed when most people didn't. Uh, so when I moved to Cleveland to follow my fiance, now husband, uh, I got a job teaching Pilates at a studio that was set up half gyrotonic, half Pilates. Uh, so that is really where I got fully introduced to the gyrotonic expansion system. I got to get on the equipment, I got to have a master trainer take me through the exercises and really fully get immersed in what that was and I really fell in love with it. And I saw what a compliment it was to Pilates. They really complement each other very, very well. And that's why a lot of Pilates studios are starting to incorporate it uh, into their business. So, or business offerings, I should say. So when I moved home in 2011, I couldn't find it. It's still relatively obscure. Uh, at that time, it was, the closest studio was in Southern Pines. And I wasn't necessarily looking to get certified at that point. I just wanted to do it. Like, I missed it. I missed doing that workout for myself. Um, but then, you know, working with these guys, and we all kind of started branching out and doing our own things. Like, <coughs> I saw the need for gyro in Wilmington. We call it gyro for short. Um, so that was a big leap of faith for me to go ahead and jump into the teacher training process for gyrotonic because it's not easy. At that time, I had to travel for Charlotte, <coughs> travel to Charlotte for everything except the final. So it's broken down into four parts. You have your pre-training, 
your foundation, your apprentice review, and then your final. So I had to go to Charlotte for those first three parts, and you know, they're like six days and 12 days long sort of thing, and I had young kids. So it was a big uh, financial investment, it was a big time commitment away from my family, but I saw the potential of what it could be here in Wilmington, and then I went to Miami for my final, and that was in 2013, <coughs> I think it was 2013, and I bought the first piece of equipment, and gosh, it's just grown from there. So I bought that first uh, pulley tower like as I was certifying, and now I have <coughs> four of those, and we have small group classes where before I could only teach private sessions. We have small group classes now, we are set up pretty much almost exactly like that original studio I started teaching in in Cleveland. We're half Pilates and half Jarcon. Hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. And then tell us kind of what actions of the human body okay. are going on during that time. Okay. <laughs> like, what are we doing? So, Jartonic, uh, gyro meaning circular, <coughs> tonic meaning toning. So we use circular movement patterns to help tone and invigorate the body. So the majority of what we do is going to involve a lot of joint mobilization, spinal mobilization, and it tends to feel really nice. Um, a lot of people who end up seeking out gyrotonic exercise are doing so because of chronic pain or an injury, and they find that in traditional personal training or traditional gym settings, like it's too aggressive for them. So I tend to teach a lot of therapeutic exercise. It's not that gyrotonic can't be a tougher workout in that you know we have weights and we can push it, we can do all that stuff. It's just in my studio, that's tend to be what I have attracted is a lot of uh, therapeutic clients because they enjoy that circular motion, they enjoy <coughs> the mobilizing of the joints and the spinal flexibility and, and all of that. So, okay. And then, Matt, tell us kind of how you run uh, Matt Scali training, how that's going for you, and just the life of a you know trainer slash owner. Um, so, Matt Scali training is a private studio, so it's not open for membership. It's really People come to us with a specific thing that they want to work on or attain, and we really sit down and do a consultation to really hone in on that goal, what's the, the real expectations of achieving that goal, and um, then we get to work. Uh, we have a, such a wide and uh, broad group of people that come through. Um, like this past November, I just did the New York City Marathon with a client, and he lost over 250 pounds. And so really what's special about that facility is that you're not just selling health, we sell relationships. And like, he asked me, and it was an honor, he's like, hey, will you run this with me? Well, I don't like to run like that, but <laughs> I was like, well, you just lost, like, you know, two people pretty much. I was like, that's an amazing thing, it, it would be an honor. So. Um, it's amazing what we do and how we touch people's lives and um, really totally changing it. 
someone that could barely walk just ran a, a marathon, which was which uh, was amazing to be a part of. Um, the business side of it um, <coughs> probably is the least fun, um, <laughs> just because like I got into the industry because I just wanted to help people, and um, but to do that I had to branch off, which that means I had to learn so much more about business, which kind of takes away from training sometimes. Um, but it's totally worth it. There's nothing like owning your own place and sticking the key in the door and saying, this is mine. This is what I created. And, you know, it's done how you want it to be done. Um, but there's a lot of problems, good problems that come along. So we're growing right now. And right now I'm having a hard time hiring trainers. And so, like, we're putting ads out there and not a lot of um, people sending in resumes. So even though it's a problem, it's a good problem to where there's more clientele that I can service right now. So if any of you guys are trainers <laughs> and uh, want to interview, let me know. But uh, overall, it's, it's a great experience. And so what are you looking for as a trainer and you know, how can you sustain a high quality trainer? So what I look for in uh, trainers is um, well, definitely education background. They need to know what they're doing. There's certain certifications that I like um, or degrees. I was an exercise science major from UNCW. Um, but personality is a huge aspect of training. You could know everything in the world about exercise, but if it's like talking to a wall, no one's going to want to pay you to train with you. So I also look at if they have um, empathetic qualities to them, if they can really if they care about people. Uh, that's a huge part about what we do because people come to us because they can't do it by themselves and they're always gonna fall short and that's where we're there to help support them and make sure we can get them back on track and really reach those goals that they're struggling with. So that's really what I look for. Okay. And then Emily, how would you uh, hire somebody, what would you look for? Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit tougher in my situation because I am looking for very niche certifications uh, like Pilates and gyrotonic. Um, so actually, last year I really pushed hard to get uh, some teachers certified at my studio, which meant I had to bring in a master trainer, like trying to find a master trainer who would travel to Wilmington basically leave, you know, their clientele and all of that, get them here. Like I said, it's an extended period of time. I have to pay for that. I have to get the teachers interested in it. And that was, that was a big challenge. Um, but I have three apprentice teachers right now at the studio. They're not fully certified yet. Um, and I have to agree with what Matt was saying about the personality of the person so yes you know we want you to have a Pilates certificate we want you to have the gyrotonic certificate but personality is is I almost want to say like more important because like you can know the exercises you can know the equipment you can know the progressions but if you're not understanding that you're actually working with humans and not just bones and muscles and 
ligaments and all of that stuff, then you're not going to be able to get people interested in the work and help them. Like we are in the we are selling relationships. So I think you said it in your first interview with me. He was on season one of the podcast. <laughs> so if you want to go back and listen to season one, he said if you're boring like a box of rocks, <laughs> like that's that's important, you know. We want we want um, people to walk in through our doors and feel seen and remembered and cared about. I mean, it's like almost more important that you remember that their daughter is expecting a baby any day now. When's that grandbaby coming? Like, how's your daughter doing? Like, that's almost more important to some people than, you know, their knee hurts. Mm. And they have osteoarthritis. Mm. Do you care that I'm about to be a grandma? Mm -hmm. Like, that's really, really important. And it's a big thing that you don't necessarily maybe get in a classroom because you're getting all of that anatomy stuff you're getting the exercises you're getting the education but you're not getting that education of building relationships with people cool <clears throat> so what type of continuing education do you see yourself getting in the future for both of you uh for me my my continuing education is definitely specific to Jartonic and Pilates. Uh, I, I base what courses I'm going to be doing based off of what my clients are presenting me with, right? So it, you know, we have all of these continuing education courses within the Jartonic expansion system, but I'm not necessarily gonna go take you know, gyrotonic applications for the high-performance athlete because I'm not teaching a bunch of high-level performance athletes. But I did go take gyrotonic therapeutic applications for osteoporosis because that's what's presenting over and over again in my studio. So I want to be the most prepared for the woman over 55, postmenopausal, who has a bone density scan, how do I read a bone density scan? What does that mean? How am I going to change the exercises based on whether they're osteoporosis, pre uh, osteopenia, osteoporosis, or severe osteoporosis? Well, those all mean three different things, like what does that mean for me when we're in here? Um, I signed up for a continuing education course this summer in Boulder. Someone was talking about Boulder. <laughs> for uh, the shoulder girdle and scoliosis because that's what I'm seeing over and over and over again. Walking through my doors is shoulder pain, rotator cuff, arthritis, and I mean, who doesn't have some degree of scoliosis? <laughs> so that's how I base where I'm gonna spend my continuing education dollars, what's gonna benefit the people that I'm actually working with. Can you tell us the risks of uh, bone density issues and kind of maybe the scientific background of <laughs> some of that? Because that is kind of related to our course a little bit too. Oh, okay, so um, yeah, I, I took that course last year, uh, Gyrotonic Therapeutic Applications for Osteoporosis with Dr. Justine Bernard Edwards. She has her PhD in physical therapy and she runs her physical therapy office in DC as a 
gyrotonic studio and a physical therapy office. And basically the biggest takeaway that I got from that course is that women and sometimes men who've been diagnosed with osteoporosis are not as frail as we think, right? And sometimes women will come in and they have this diagnosis and they're like scared to lift weight, right? But that's what they need to be doing if they actually want to make a difference in their, in their bone density. So a lot of it was how do we take these exercises, gyrotonic specific exercises on the pulley tower combination unit, that's our piece of main meat and potatoes piece of equipment that we use, and how do we, first of all, encourage these women who are probably scared to lift heavy weight, right, and increase their weight resistance and use these exercises to target these areas on the bone density scan, like the, I'm drawing a blank, what is it? The thoracic lumbar junction. I just, that's just what I always call it. <laughs> this spot right here. Because that's what you're going to say to your client. You're not going to, you know, use the anatomical terms with your client. You're like, right here, below your bra line. Um, because that's typically where they're going to see a fracture in their spine if they're susceptible to um, a break. Uh, the uh, femoral neck, that's another place they read on a bone density scan. How are we going to use gyrotonic exercises to help it increase the bone density of the femoral neck? So, does that answer your question, yeah, Jordan? Yeah, I like, yeah, a little, a little bit little better. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that you have to be aware of with someone with severe, because if someone has severe osteoporosis, that means they already have a break mm. somewhere. So where is the location of that break? And all the things you need to know if it's a break here, all the things you need to know if it's a break here. If it's this score on the femoral neck, this is off the table, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, I don't want to get too deep into it because I know it's very jartonic specific, but I remember taking that course and been, I've been teaching Jartonic for four or five years at this point and had definitely worked with women who had come in with the diagnosis of osteoporosis. And I remember thinking, like, why didn't anybody tell me this before? <laughs> so it's, um, it's so crucial to just keep up with the research, what's going on, because it changes. What we thought was, you know, the gold standard 10 years ago probably isn't anymore. It's always changing. So making sure that you're staying up to date on all of that stuff is, I think, super important. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you reverse osteoporosis? Like once you, you attain it? You, you can slow it down. And in some cases, you can see um, improvement. It's usually, uh, you gotta be, you gotta be on it. And you're, you're you're on your exercise routine, you're on your diet, and you're probably taking medication <coughs> as well. Related to that, uh, have they figured out if it's more diet or physical activity related, or is it one or the other, or the combination? Um, it's it's a it's a lot of different things. I think a biggie is genetics. Um, 
if you are female, if you are Caucasian, if you are petite, all of those things are risk factors. Um, Mostly age goes up the risk, the 30. I think so. So if, if I'm remembering this course correctly, and if Justine is listening to this, I hope I'm doing her justice. So your prime bone building years are like up until like what, 22, 24? Mm -hmm. So those are your, that's your bank. That's your bone bank. And after that, like you're just kind of like hanging on. So I think a lot of it has to do with like, were you athletic when you were, when you were in high school? You know, were you, were you outside? Were you in the sun, like getting vitamin D? Were you eating well then? is really important because that's your bank. Um, she even brought up because in the Jarotonic community, a lot of people find their way there through dance. We have a lot of dancers that find their way to Jarotonic and become teachers. And she was like, why do you think you know all of these professional dancers need hip replacements by the time they're 40? Well, because they spent their bone building years in dance studios they never went outside. They probably had some sort of eating issue mm -hmm. to keep their weight down so they're not eating right. Mm -hmm. And then they're pushing their body to the limit. I'm like, of course they're going to need a hip replacement by the time they're 40. Mm -hmm. So. Cool. Yeah. Matt, any continuing education you look forward to in the future? Anything maybe even business related or fair wise? Um, for. Continuing education, I'm always <clears throat> looking at new equipment out there. Mm -hmm. I know um, I still have good relations with the exercise science department, and when TRX came through, I took all my trainers and got them certified on their new piece of equipment. Um, business, it's really just self-educating, uh, reading a lot of books, um, just continuously educating myself on that and my trainers what's really big right now and you you probably see this too like podcasts or Instagram social media which I do not like so I usually <laughs> pawn it off on some of my other trainers that like to be in front of the camera um, but that's all critical in getting your your mission out there and bringing awareness to what you do um, which that's just constant practice a lot of this is constant practice um, but always growing and reading up. There's there's more than one way to skin a cat. So me and Emily talking about like continuous education, but we also share uh, clients, and we share a client that you know needed to lift more. And so working with other um, health professionals and stuff, you know, we're working on the same goal and just tackling, <coughs> sorry, tackling it different ways. Um, and I've seen improvement in that client, and I'm sure she has as well. It's a synergistic effect. Uh, what types of what types of business like aspects did you see that you weren't exactly expecting when you opened mm -hmm. your good questions to both? That is um, finances. You know, when you go into uh, brick and mortar. Um, you don't realize how much rent is, all the power of electric bills, towel service, just all the foo-foo stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I just want to train, like, you know, so it depends your demographic <coughs> you have to look at. 
I'm in like a higher end area of town, so they want nicer stuff. You know, so it depends where you're going to be placed, your demographic that you're trying to reach, and your typical clientele. Um, but yeah, that was a big one, finances. I think most problems run into money. You got to have it. You got to pay to play, is what my mentor always said. Because spending money on marketing and advertising um, is huge. You know, I had someone on payroll for a year and a half just making videos and content instead of me just doing it from my iPhone. I wanted to create, you know, a little bit more professionalism, which cost a ton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think um, finances are super important and unfortunately with what we do as personal trainers, like it is a big thing that we have to consider because we need equipment. Um, I mean, I get you know, I guess you could start with just like some fair bands and some free weights and things like that if you if you wanted to, but like eventually if you're gonna grow, like you're gonna have to make a big financial investment into some equipment and some space, and that's 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 a big commitment, and you got to figure out how to do it. So I, if that is something that you want to do, and you do want to have your own brick and mortar space, my suggestion is just start small, start small. You know, if you have to take out a loan, take out the smallest loan you can. You knock that out, then go get the next one. So, um, I just, I just don't want anybody like to jump into some crazy amount of debt because you think you have to have the three thousand square foot space and you have to have the top of the line best equipment like right out of the gate. Like you can start small and build slowly over time. But uh, the thing that I think that I'm currently struggling with in my business like in real time is uh, managing people for the first time ever. That's uh, the hardest. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you're just uh, on your own and it's just you and your client, like it's freaking easy. Mm-hmm. You don't you, like it's you don't have to worry about any of that stuff and you almost almost miss those days <laughs> sometimes. Um, but being put in this position now of boss and communicating vision and and learning that not everybody hears things the same way and they're going to interpret maybe something I said in a different way and then that's going to show up a couple weeks later and we have to go back and you know like so I'm learning like how to be a leader how to communicate in a lot of different ways to my team so that we're all on the same page, there's not any confusion, and we're, we're all, you know, working towards the same thing. So that's that's a challenge for me, managing staff for the first time. I have three teachers and a junior manager. Um, at Matt Skelly Training, I have about I think 10 trainers now, and at the other facilities, another 14. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the other facilities? Oof. <laughs> uh, man, I cannot stress. I'm glad that you brought it up. <laughs> Managing personalities and how to reach people and to help the team and objective all go in the same direction is probably the, the most difficult thing that you run into. And boy, I miss just the one-on-one interaction <laughs> with you and your client. <laughs> 
but um, those are growing things. Um, the other facility is going well. So I have methodology at Matt Skelly Training, which is vision, fuel, and support. So we start off the foundation of our program is what I talked about earlier. We want to know what our clients want to look like, feel like, how others will perceive them. That's the foundation before we even have you pick up a dumbbell. We want to know your why. Um, the second thing is fuel. So we cook for our clients. We put, um, after each workout, we have protein shakes, they're free form, to emphasize that, you know, with exercise, proper nutrition, you know, to get the results that you want. And the third thing is support. So, like I said, that um, checking in on the clients, building that relationship with them. Um, is huge. We also have an online training app, so a lot of our clients travel, so I can be right there in their phone when they're not with me. And, you know, really trying to do all those, and when you do them well, your clients will get results. So, what the, the difference was in growing pain with the new company is that Anytime Fitness came and loved what I did in the private studio. Now what I'm learning is that my model may not necessarily work in a big box gym. So right now I'm trying to figure out the things that I know will work um, and things that may need some tweaking um, because it is a different model. So again, um, it's all there's a big learning curve. Um, two, um, Matt Skelly Training, the trainers there have been in the industry 10 plus years and Elevate is new hires and they're learning how to be in a gym setting and how to get clients and learning how to sell and all that for the first time. And probably the, the hardest part too for being a new trainer is sales. Like I still don't like asking for money, but of course I'm offering a service, you have to ask for it. And you know, the, the things that I've learned along the way in helping my trainers look, it's like you're not, a car salesman, you're not trying to, you know, give them the best deal, you're actually just trying to help. And when you look at it from a different perspective, it makes that a lot easier. But it just takes role playing, practice, and that's where Elevate is right now. They're learning how to feel comfortable and and showing people why they're passionate about what they do and and asking for that exchange of value for, for money. Pre-exercise screening, what do you do when you meet your clients and mm -hmm. what type of assessments you do before? And we'll do questions for both. Uh, yeah, at my studio, we do, we require three private sessions before you're even allowed into our small group classes. Uh, because, as I said before, a lot of people who come seeking gyrotonic exercise usually have some sort of physical limitation and we don't want to put someone you know with a recent shoulder replacement in our advanced class right like that that wouldn't make sense so our first session is 90 minutes long and we usually use the first 15 to 30 minutes depending on if the person is a talker to go through their physical history, uh, what what's going on in your body, uh, and some people will talk forever. <laughs> they have a laundry list of things going on, um, and 
it's important to know those ahead of time. Um, and so we get all of that, we get all that physical history. And also that 30 minutes is a time for them to ask me questions because usually they've never done gyrotonic before. They've never done Pilates before. And they're walking into this strange environment with equipment they've never seen before. They've just met me. And you have to give people time to acclimate to that and, and give them an opportunity to ask you me questions, you questions, so that they feel comfortable and, and trust you. So it uh, usually ends up with me actually talking about myself a little bit and what I do. And based on what they've just told me, uh, what I recommend. Uh, we usually will then go through a spinal motions warm up. That is my chance to see them move a little bit in a really safe way. And we just do that seated on a stool, a little bit of arching, a little bit of curling, we call it spiraling, twisting, um, side bending, waving, and that gives me a lot of information right off of the bat. Uh, how do they move? Are they super stiff? Can they watch me do something and do it back? Do they respond well to verbal instruction? Uh, do they need me to physically get up and put my hands on them and help them understand what it is that I'm asking them to do? And then from there, usually we move into whichever modality, whether it's Pilates or gyrotonic, a very basic beginner level workout. And then they have two more private sessions, um, just again, to help them get acclimated to this new modality, this new space, us, us get to know them, figure out what we think is actually gonna work best for them and actually where will they fit into the studio because you know we can go through this whole process, but if the only time you can work out is Wednesdays at seven o'clock at night, and I don't have anything for you, I don't have a teacher, I don't have a class, like it's not super ethical to keep taking their money when you know it's not a good, it's not a good fit, um, or if you know that this isn't really what they're loving. Maybe they do just want traditional personal training and I can refer you to Matt. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then after the three private sessions, we will usually plug them into a small group class with people that are usually at their ability level, age level, have similar interests because for a lot of these people, it's not just about moving and getting in, and getting an exercise, it's about building a community. Uh, so that's all things that we wanna take into consideration when we're plugging them into a class. And then sometimes if somebody's really struggling um, with a physical limitation or from a surgery, like they've just been released from physical therapy, we get a lot of those. Sometimes the recommendation is, I don't think group classes are appropriate for you. I think you need to be doing personal training for a little while longer <coughs> before we can transition you over. So we really, we really use those three private sessions as a chance to really get to know our person and make sure that we're a good fit, that we have the services and the teachers that will work for them and their schedule and their life and their goals. And then, um, moving forward from there with a plan. And sometimes that's not with us. Do, do any of them come in wanting um, body changes as far as weight, 
concerns and then how do you manage that with your program or do you manage that through other things outside of class? Yeah, the weight loss. Um, weight loss is a biggie and I am very honest with the people that come through my doors and they say that that's what they're looking for. Uh, that's not my specialty, that's not really, um, you know, my wheelhouse. I teach a lot of therapeutic exercise and it's not that you can't lose weight using the Jartonic Expansion System and, and Pilates, but if your diet isn't on point, like it doesn't matter if you come to Pilates seven days a week, like you're, you're not going to be able to, to lose the weight that you want. And I am not a nutritionist. I don't have any special education in that. And so I make that very clear. Like if that's something that they're looking for, then this is who I'm going to refer you to. And I can help you on the exercise side, but I'm not qualified to help you on the nutrition side. And that's gonna be the most crucial thing if, if weight loss is their goal. Um, or if they're looking for like, some hardcore workout and Pilates and gyro are just not giving them what they want, I refer them to that. <laughs> cool. Our pre assessment, yes. Right. So when someone comes into our facilities, we give them a free assessment, which um, really, it gives us a chance to build that rapport, get to know them. Um, we do a body fat scan. Um, What's the, what's the best way to do it? Do you like the handheld ones? For starting, we use mm -hmm. the handheld um, ones. They're not the most accurate. So what I tell people is, you know, this is going to take our body fat, but it's inaccurately accurate, mm -hmm. meaning, you know, it's going to give us a percentage, but when we reassess uh, you, we're looking for change. So it may not be the exact number, but we're seeing if it's going down. Yeah. Um, and uh, we do cardiovascular three-minute step test, the old-school YMCA step test. Mm -hmm. It just works for our facility. Um, we do muscular endurance, just a push-up test. I'm looking at posture to see if they're core strength. Um, and probably the most important is the overhead squat test to see if they have any muscular imbalances. Because once we start working with weight, I'm not going to put weight on their back and they're pulling more to one side, putting pressure on that spine. Uh, so we make sure that um, we fix those muscular imbalances before we start really pushing weight. Um, and then we do, um, well before all the physical tests, we do a park view, making sure they're ready for the, the test um, and uh, their medical screening passes. Um, and then the last part of the assessment is just a, a conversation. We have something called our vision questionnaire and um, talking about their goals. But um, some of our questions really dive deep um, and to really get to the root of their problem. A lot of times people come in and it's, it's taken years for me to realize this, but they'll be like, well, I want to lose weight. Well, because my doctor says so. And if someone has just such a vague goal like that, they start a program with good intention, um, but they'll, life gets in the way, something happens, and they'll push their health to the side. So we ask really deep questions to try to get to the root of the problem, something that's
painful or hurting them and why they really want to. And so that is the ammunition I can really help to help them stay on track and keep them focused on their goal um, to negate that pain or whatever they're, they're struggling with. Um, and then we also offer a free workout um, to show them um, what we can do yeah, and why we feel that we're different than any other facility in town when it comes to personal training. Mm -hmm. cool. um, what kind of like things do you guys do to help build the community in your facilities? Like you said that you want to like bring your people in the classes together and make it feel like it's a home for them or something? Mm -hmm. about building community and honestly I think that building community within your gym or your studio is so much more simple than we make it out to be it's, it's really not as mysterious of a thing um, I remember talking to my friend who I asked her that that question um, on my podcast she was on season two not because she was a studio owner but because she lives in New York City and she go she does like every single workout in New York City that you could possibly do and she was like just be nice like just be just be nice and just be friendly like she's like it's it's such a turnoff when you walk into a facility and the people at the front desk don't even look up and say hi to you um, like finding a way to uh, just connect with them on some sort of personal level. Like one of her stories was uh, she walked into, I think it was some kind of pure bar workout studio in New York, and the owner of the studio picked up on her North Carolina accent like right away and was like, where are you from? I'm from Charlotte. Oh, I'm from Ellerby, you know? And she's like, it, that simple little thing made me want to come back made me want to come back and when you're the teacher of the class you don't teach a lot of group fitness anymore do you Matt? no so like my my groups are very small like three maybe four at the max but uh, it's this it's this interesting balance while you're while you're trying to keep the group together you're trying to keep everybody on the same page but you also have to keep it light and allow space for conversation within the workout and that is I think something as a teacher as an instructor of group classes like it just takes time to figure out that ebb and flow of like when to rein your people back in and, and get everybody like on task and when to let them just move and have that opportunity to chit chat with each other for a moment. Like I remember talking to you, Justine again. She was also on the podcast, you <laughs> season one. Um, we were talking about when you have those chatty Cathy's. Sometimes you get like groups of friends that want to come and all they want to do is talk. So she's like, oh well, you know, if you've got your group of chatty Cathy's, start with the hamstring series. That's what we call. A certain series and, and Josh's like you can just get their feet in the straps and then get all their chatter out you can get it all done okay now we're gonna move on and then we're gonna do do the thing but it's um it's a tough balance of like making sure everybody feels like they had a really good workout and that they they completed like 
they feel good, like they feel good about what they did, but they also were allowed some time to, to talk to each other. And, and that just takes, that just takes time as a teacher to figure out that ebb and flow in a class. Um, and yeah, just be nice. <laughs> um, really, I mean, that, that's a big component of it is uh, just being nice. I know when, <laughs> really, when I started, when I was at a big box gym, like all my clients and just like members, I knew everyone in the big box gym that I worked at because I made it a priority of mine to say hi and bye to everyone that would come in the door, even if they weren't my client, because if they wanted training, who are they going to go to? The nice trainer that always says hi to them. And so everyone would make fun of me saying, hi, <laughs> but when it came down to training, who would people come to? Because I introduced myself, I put myself out there and made that person feel comfortable by knowing them by name. Um, and that's something that at my facilities, I make all my trainers do. Like the other day, I, I network with a lot of different uh, companies. I don't find like any other gym or personal training company in town necessarily competition because we all do things a little bit different and we can help each other out. So they came into my facility and all my trainers stopped and said, hi, you know, so-and-so, I won't say their name, but um, he was like, wow. And I was like, yeah, just be kind, <laughs> you know. Um, and be he, a nice human. Yeah, just, just be a decent human being. And, um, and people like my gyms, we, it's not a lot of people in there, but you get to know the people that come in and train at those certain times. So, you know, we have 10 trainers and probably sometimes 20 to 30 people in there at a time, but it's the same people. So they start building relationships and then we have small conversations, even though they're with their trainer. It's a small place. You pick up on what they're talking about mm -hmm. and you jump in because you're nosy and stuff <laughs> like that. But that's how we build community, you know? And at least each gym has their own certain feel. Um, because, you know, I look at other companies and I was like, man, I love the camaraderie of like CrossFit or Orange Theory. Like those people, like they drink the Kool-Aid, they love it, you know? <laughs> and that, that's great, that's something powerful. And I was trying to figure out, well, how can I do that? And the truth is, I can't. I'm not gonna try to do that. I'm not gonna try to do group classes because that's not what I'm good at. And I'm just gonna keep leveraging what I like to do and how I make people feel comfortable. So, you know, if you do branch out or you do something on your by yourself, figure out what you like to do and what you feel comfortable and people will gravitate to that and that's what will build the community. Mm -hmm. Any questions? We're gonna open it up for questions now. Uh, so, I guess it's more for you. Do you do uh, still personal train, or do you like hand that off because you're the owner? I guess it could go for you too. Um, I still train. So yeah, I start. Man, caffeine is my savior. Okay. Tell me how many hours typically it, it built to work to where you're at. And so it really hasn't changed. Actually, it's just added more hours to my life right now. So um, what's your typical day like? I wake up at four because I have three dogs that jump out the door and they know it's breakfast at four a.m. Um, my first client's at five, and um, 
I'm not taking on any new ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so I'll start at five, and I don't get home till like seven thirty, and then I at have night. to at night. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I got to figure out the business side, and I go home and strategize. All right, what's my objective to help Matt Skelly Training grow? What's gonna help Elevate grow? And so, very much so right now, I'm still in the trenches as a trainer. And I'll always love that. That's what my passion is. And I'll never want to be removed from that because I have business partners and to they're business savvy. So they're always going to think about how to grow the business and stuff like that. But I'll understand the aspect of the trainer better. And that's really important to me to understand what they see, what they're going through, and uh, make sh making sure that I can always keep them happy. So. For me to really understand that, I feel like I have to be doing it. Um, plus, I, I just love helping people. Um, like I could, like like I said earlier, I could do without the business. So it's important, but I really like building relationships and building that community. Um, but yeah, it's it's all day long. <laughs> yeah, I still teach. Uh the majority of the sessions at my studio. Um, my day looks a little bit different because I have children. Um, so I don't get to the studio and start teaching until 7.30 because I have to drop my kids off at school. But I'm sure if I could be at the studio by 5 a.m., there are people that want to be there <laughs> at 5 a.m. I just physically can't. Um, so yeah, I, I usually teach around 20 to 30 hours a week and that's enough for me I don't plan on adding any more to that because I actually have found I really enjoy this the business side of, of it like I, I still love teaching obviously that's why I got into it that's why I opened up a studio and I never want to give that up but like owning a business and learning how to grow a business like that excites me too and I have just in the last year realize there's a big difference between being in the business and working on the business. And there needs to be time in my day to work on the business just as much as I'm in the business actually teaching the people. Uh, so it's been an interesting balance just over the last year figuring out how many hours can I actually dedicate to my clients and teaching? How many hours a week do I need to work on my business? and I have a husband, I have young, young children, I have hobbies that, you know, fill, fill me up and make me feel like me that need to be a part of my life as well, because I've always felt from the very beginning, like, I want to own a business, I don't want it to own me, so that kind of ties back into what I was saying at, at the beginning, you know, start small and grow, grow slowly, because, you know, I, I still want to be able to go to my kids' soccer practice. I still want to be able to ride horses, and I still want to be able to go on a date night with my husband. But And it can be a very slippery slope where, yeah, you're just all consumed with it. So mm -hmm. I've been very, very, uh, what's the word, purposeful with my time from the very, very beginning. Yeah, so I teach about 20, 20 to 30 hours a week. That's key, what she said, which I struggle with. It's like, <laughs> And you talked about it with me before. It doesn't sound like it's so gotten any better. Like I get laser focused on something, and then 
balance is critical, um, and if and I'm struggling with it. Like she said, it's important to balance family and stuff like that, and all the other aspects of what makes your life happy. Um, because I was this, I'm kind of still a slave to the business. I'm trying to, you know, find my escape, kind of. But uh, no, but I love everything that I do, which makes my job much easier. That's why I want to be so all into it. But um, but balance is critical. You can easily get burned out. Um, some days you do, and sometimes, like on the weekend, you're like, I'm just gonna sit and stare at this wall and decompress. Um, so that I can be recharged and stuff, but uh, yeah, balance is critical. Other questions? I got one. <clears throat> Do you want me to? Yeah. Yes, please. So when you started personal training or group training, what was kind of one of your more challenging obstacles you had to face? If it was like socially or relationship building or staying up to date on the knowledge? Um, for me, moving from, I guess you could use the term private practice, where it was just me and my little 500 square foot studio and I taught one-on-one, one -on -one. um, adding in two other bodies, sometimes three other bodies, like I said, I don't teach more than four at a time right now, it was hard for me to go from being laser focused on one person to now I'm, I'm taking in three other people and what's what's going on with them. And so what was, what was really hard for me in the beginning was to let some things go. <laughs> like I can't, I can't correct and put my hands on every single person for every single exercise. Like I was able to, when in the one-on-ones, in mm -hmm. the private training. Um, so that was a struggle for me to, to, I don't know, let go of the control a little bit. Like when it's a one-on-one -on -one and you're laser focused on somebody like, and they're looking to you, like I guess I was kind of feeding my control freak, you know, stuff. And then when you start adding in other people, it's almost like, oh my gosh. Like I can't correct everybody, I can't. I just, you have to let some things go. Like, and, and no, like they're not gonna hurt themselves. Like obviously, if something was like way bad, I would step in and I would I would correct it. But yeah, that that was difficult for me is letting go of some of that that control and just letting people have the experience of it without me. Gosh, uh, just being all over them. Just being all over them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, now that I've been doing it for. Uh, two years now, I mean, I've kind of been doing a little bit of group training here and there for all along, but like really getting into it over the last two years, I really enjoy it. Mm. I really enjoy it. I feel so much more relaxed with these small groups um, than I did in the beginning, where I was terrified to let go. <laughs> um, you were asking specifically in the beginning starting it? Yeah, like the start of your career. Um, so I don't like to take really big risks because if, you know, I'll just freeze up. So mm -hmm. I knew what I wanted to do and luckily I had a mastermind of people that, like I had a marketing mentor, um, I had a business mentor, all these people I'd, and I'd have meetings with them. 
And so I thought out the process and exactly what I wanted to do like a year prior. And then I was like, all right, let's execute. So I tried to eliminate any of the problems that I could foresee ahead of time.